I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, checking in and the need to process. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 386, The Need to Process. And I am glad to be here. It it almost didn't happen this weekend. I was ready. The mind is willing. And it has taken a lot to get here. So I am going to record the show. But before I start, I will say we were just watching The Arrow and we just finished season five and have started season six. And there's now a huge cliffhanger where we just stopped so that I could come in here and do this. And I think in this show, I'm going to mention lights. And in thinking about that and getting ready to come in here, I thought, you know what? I have to go sit in the office. And I turned on the small lights. And that is such a perfect thing. The little fairy lights are on. I turned the overhead lights off. So I'm basically sitting here in the dark. But these little bitty lights produce enough light that it's all very, very doable and seems bright and twinkly and inspiring. At today's show, I don't know how pulled together it will end up definitely a weird state of mind this weekend. And I'm sure some of you can relate or maybe can't relate, but have your own weird state of mind going on. And I sit and scroll an awful lot of social media and sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it's hard. So I'm here and I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be sitting here. I said to someone, I don't know if doing this matters. And I guess I didn't quite get the response I wanted. And you have to stop and think about that. And sometimes you just have to believe in what you're doing and go on. So this show started because this morning I realized that maybe I'm not completely okay right now mind frame wise. And maybe I'm not as okay as I have been thinking that I am. And I think probably most of you listening have had similar moments or are having similar moments. I know we are bouncing. I know we are all experiencing those moments of uncontrolled drifting from one emotional extreme to another. I talked about that last week, but it really hit me this morning. I think overall I have been fine. That doesn't mean that I'm not aware and it doesn't mean that I haven't had anxiety. Overall, I've been fine. But five days a week, I wake up each morning, all alarms turned off at this point. There's just no need but I wake up and I have to sort it out. Is it Saturday? I desperately need a Saturday and a Sunday. 
last week? It was Tuesday when I woke up and was seriously disoriented. It was Saturday. I knew it was Saturday. I was excited that it was Saturday. I opened my eyes to the bright light and thought, oh, it's Saturday. I'm so glad it's Saturday. There was this delicious stretch and the day sprawling ahead until, no, it's not Saturday. It wasn't Saturday at all. It was Tuesday. And then suddenly it was Friday again. And then Saturday. And that too seemed really hard to believe. I don't like games where the goal is to prove my story is worse than your story or this story is worse than that one. Right now, we are all in the middle of a ginormous shared story. We are all in this story. And yet, it is a story that we are each seeing through myriad different lenses. Little bits of colored filters, translucencies, wax papers, all layered and nuanced, transparent in some places, all the colors one atop the other, muddying the view in some places, obscuring things, or shining too bright of a light on things. Our Venn diagrams in this story overlap in many, many ways. And yet we are each also coping from within our own communities, so our own states, and then within that, our communities, our own families, our own houses, our own isolation and our own fear, our own filters. And there are overlaps and there are disjuncts both. There are moments of connections and there are moments of isolation. And there is a whole lot of overwhelm. Five days a week here in my space, things are busy. And concurrent with that and alongside of it and over top of it, there's plenty of talk. We do a lot of shaking of our heads and a lot of rubbing of our eyes. I don't know why, for whatever reason, talking about all of this involves a whole lot of eye rubbing, especially on my part, and a whole lot of rehashing of the news and All of that is in and around and on top of my work. We talk. And then at night, I watch the arrow (laughs) and I draw something and I write down the most recent number of COVID-19 cases in the U.S. and the time. And finally, I call it a day. And then I do it all again. What I realized this morning, though, it just kind of reached out and grabbed me by the throat is that there is no time for processing what's going on. And I've been vaguely aware of that. I feel it. I have the sense of that. It's not a time to complain. We're doing what we have to do, each of us, and what is within our range to do. But I am suddenly really feeling it. I was really feeling it this weekend. There's no time to process this. And I think for the most part, I am okay in these days. I'm doing what needs to be done. When that means reloading the Amazon Fresh website every 10 minutes for five hours at night, hoping to catch the brief 
sliver of a window when they add new times. I do it over and over. I reload. And throughout the day, up until that point, I add the things back to my cart that keep falling out of my cart because everything is still sold out. So I do it. And then when I still miss that little sliver of time, somehow, and all the time slots are gone the next time I check, I take up the task again the next night. Over and over again each night until finally I get it. I'm doing what I need to do just as I always do. And you are too. I know you are too. I know you are too. I know you are doing what you need to do. I have to trust that about all of us, that we are each doing what we need to do. And we are trying our hardest to do all the things we can to help this situation. But I need some way to process this. And I'm really hoping that you are doing something to process this. I need some way to do it and some time to do it. And I just don't seem to have it. There is this unfathomable sense to me that the days are really slipping by. Weeks are just vanishing. And I haven't somehow processed what's happening I don't have the time to sit and really understand in some core way what it means to be in this moment. I haven't pinned anything in place for myself somehow, other than the numbers. I am trying to keep track of those numbers. And I am trying to keep track of time too, at least in terms of weeks. Week 14 on the calendar year week 41 of the year that I have been recording on my way to turning 50, week four of shelter in place is starting, week six since we first went to the grocery and saw those empty shelves, week five since this or that. In the absence of being able to record much of anything, somehow being able to keep track of these numbers, to keep these numbers straight, It feels important to me. I'm like clinging to these numbers, the weeks, the days, and the nightly tally that I jot down. And somehow this seems to be the only way I can make sense of it. The only way I seem able to keep a handle on how many days and weeks have now melted together and At the same time, when I see how many weeks that is, and I realize how fast it seems to have been, I have this really strong and overpowering awareness that I haven't been able to process it. And I know that the tracking can help. For whatever reason, at least I'm doing those numbers A little earlier on, I had started out thinking I would at least note what we ate at night, try to keep a sense of how that went, a record of how that went. I made it about two weeks and I sort of fell off in writing it down. But no matter how much time you have right now, whether you are still working and really busy, which seems to me that a lot of the people who are still working are really busy, or whether you currently 
have far too much downtime, far too much time on your hands to worry. I think we all can understand the need to process. And we might all have different ways of doing that. I watched an Enneagram video summarizing, jokingly, how different types might appear or react in these days of social distancing and pandemic, these days of very real fear and anxiety. And I legitimately laughed in spite of myself in parts. I was watching it and I just kept laughing. My son kept looking over and saying, what are you watching? And there was no way why I could explain why I thought parts of it were so very funny. I don't know that I totally saw myself reflected, my number, in the characterization of that number, but there were parts of the video that were very funny. And I could totally see other people in those caricatures that were coming out. It was very funny. I had to laugh. We have to laugh. I think sometimes we have to laugh. We have to laugh. This morning, I woke with a light and I read news on my phone. Then I played my Words with Friends games. And then I browsed at Instagram and I continued to mull over my 100-day project. It starts in just a few days. And I am still incredibly torn. I don't think I will be drawing for it, although in this moment, it's not what I'm planning to say, but in this moment, there's a really strong possibility that I will have two very simple things happening, one that is drawing and one that is not. Maybe not. I don't know. Part of me wonders if this is a meaningful thing for me to do right now at all. And part of me thinks it's okay to just do something super simple. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. And that just doing it and being able to count along with it will be a good thing. I referred to that with some of you as putting scaffolding in place for yourself. And I am a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in putting scaffolding in place. Once I finally got up, I made a cup of coffee and I returned to my same spot for more of the same. Hours can pass that way on the weekend. It's true. And then I needed another cup. So I got up and I started to wander. And I aimlessly looked at and shifted the stack of books from the library. I haven't looked at any of them. I picked them up now and again and I put them back down and I did the same thing again. I picked some of them up and I just put them back down. I just can't. Somehow I just can't. And then I walked over to this big cabinet and I looked at the sewing pieces that are hanging off of a piece of fabric draped over the door. All kinds of pieces are pinned there. There are things pinned there that have been pinned there for years. And it took some doing even to unpin some of them. The layers were all caught up in each other. I had tried to free one a few days ago, wanting to look at it, and things are pinned through multiple layers and stuck and caught, and there are years worth of unfinished things layered on that door. Sewing isn't simply sewing. 
a rose is not a rose. Sewing isn't just sewing. There are all kinds of things that qualify as sewing and as hand sewing. And that's currently a big area of confusion for me. I'm not confused. They're different. I'm confused about what I want to do because I do so many different kinds. There are applique projects pinned there, and there are parts of several different projects that I started a couple years ago in applique. There are quilted pieces pinned there, which were part of a project for this year of 50. And that's a project that I didn't end up working on as routinely as I hoped. The random pieces, they're really beautiful. They really speak to me. It still has a chance of becoming something, but there aren't that many weeks left. And my machine is very, very mm, out of sorts still. Whatever happened over the holidays didn't fare well. There are some small sashiko pieces there. I fingered what was there. I just kind of looked, I took the colors in, the differences, big differences between the applique and the sashiko and the machine stitched pieces. And then I pulled some small bags out of the cabinet. I looked at different things, looked at different supplies, different bags of scraps, but it was all kind of aimless and kind of random. Just this sense of taking things out and looking at things and putting them back. This really wandering approach, even while standing in one place. I looked in random boxes, trying to see if I could find a certain kind of needle because what I have decided I might do isn't exactly what I had at hand. I picked up a magazine someone sent me and I flipped through that and then I found a place to wedge it back in. I looked at this and that, the too much of it, and at the same time, the not what I want of it. I looked, but I was only halfway looking. It was kind of like I was standing there going through all these things, but I also wasn't really there. My mind was just bouncing over the different avenues that I've been contemplating. There isn't an embroidery piece up on that door, but I do have a drop cloth sampler waiting in the wings that I've been wanting to try. And applique, sashiko, embroidery. There are huge needlepoint projects and bags in the closet. All of these things are very different. So I've been thinking about those things. And I was thinking about those things as I stood there, but I was also just kind of aimlessly looking. And after looking a bit and standing there, I moved on. And I went and I stood and I looked out into the backyard area. It's not really a yard, but it's the space behind the house. And I had heard a sound. It drew me to the window. I finally saw the source of the sound. Somebody was shaking something out. I moved back into the room and I thought about a collaborative project that has been stalled like so much else that ended up stalled. I haven't added to these small books in weeks and I pulled them out and I looked at the backlog and I just felt completely overwhelmed by it. 
So I pulled out the Making Comics book because my work there has completely fallen off too. And I looked at what's next in the book and a little twinge of excitement, but it was pretty much overshadowed by feeling slightly overwhelmed. And then I saw two free-floating yellow post-it notes that have notes on a day from right after Matthew's spring break started. I had driven him somewhere and was sitting waiting. And I had driven him because already at that point, we had serious concerns about letting him use the bus. So I had sat in the car and I guess I took this note. And those notes, more than four weeks ago, almost the only notes. And I look at them and I think, how can that be? How can that be? How can I be me and not be making notes and writing and letting all of this spill to the page where at least I can see it in some concrete way? I pulled out the little yellow sticky pad and I suddenly, of course, envisioned using this pad using it now, day by day, and forcing a record, forcing a process of recording, giving myself a way to record and some scaffolding, a way to process it's what I need. And maybe what I need is just a pad of post-it notes and some sense that I'm saying, okay, this is what you're going to do. Make a note every day. Because both of those things have to happen. You have to find the system and you also have to find the determination or self-discipline to do it. it. has to be something easy enough that you'll do it, but you also have to make yourself do it. Some way to process, some way to hold on to these weeks, to make sense of them. To feel like I'm making the notes so that later I'll be able to look at this and understand what these days involve because Right now, it already feels like a blur and a blank, this blur of work and then the few hours in the evening. And that blur is creating its own cavernous, this black hole of sorts. I need to be able to process that. And I need to be able to process it as it's happening. And maybe not process it as in solve and understand, but at least track it. I wandered around, unable to settle. What should I do? I just aimlessly wandering around this tiny space. I thought I could sew. But the table is full of food. And oh, look, there's an empty medicine bottle. Oh, look, there's another one and another one. And how strange is that? And then, you know, as the schedules have changed or disappeared, it's harder and harder to keep some things on track. We are living like orders. You probably are too. And it's not even all that hard to do it, really. What is hard is doing things like I need to vacuum. And I've been saying that for days lots of days. And I really need to sweep the kitchen. All of these thoughts flit in and around. I could sew. I'm back to that quickly. 
did away with the vacuuming. I'm back to sewing, but I need to make some masks. That was my next thought. And then, of course, a little bit of guilt. How can I not have already made masks? I'm someone who sews. How can I not have already started making masks? I do need to make some. I'm the only one who has left my house in three weeks. I'm the only one. But this week, that will change because a couple of things have to happen. One of those things is at a medical facility. The person who is most at risk will be going out. And so then our counting starts all over again. Our waiting, our counting, our watching, our observing, it all begins again. It's a cycle. And it's a cycle that in each of our households, as soon as someone goes out the door, that cycle starts all over again. There are teddy bears in the windows up and down the street, some kind of neighborhood project for the kids. And there are rainbows in the windows too another project for kids. And because I switch, because I switch on and off the two pairs of glasses I'm wearing now, this crazy system, which isn't quite working, but is the best I can do right now. Sometimes I end up wearing my mid-range glasses when I head out to walk the dog or just to walk. And so I saw this one rainbow going up the other day, but I couldn't quite read it. So today when I was out, I noticed it and it said, hello, friend. And a big rainbow. That's really sweet. And I wonder how come I haven't colored a rainbow? I feel really bad about the fact that I haven't done a rainbow. I did tape a bear into the window. I had to tape it so that it would sit. There's no other way to prop it there. But I did put the bear up, at least. As I wandered around, I could feel myself not breathing. I could feel myself breathing too much. It was one or the other. I think it was actually too much. I could feel the anxiety rising. I could feel the tears threatening. I could feel the sense of overwhelm inside that at the same time, doesn't have a way to break free. And I just was wandering aimlessly. Just this few feet of space, this maze of clutter, this growing maze of clutter, and I was wandering around like a zombie in my own space. And so maybe it's better that I am really busy most of those days. And maybe you have had this wandering Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you've done it. Maybe you know. It really hit me today. And then I thought, maybe I should turn the lights on in that room. And so I've already told you I turned the ones on tonight in here as I'm recording. But in the other room, there are lights that are strung over the big window. They are Christmas lights. I don't even think we turned them on this year. I just leave them up there. They've been there for a long time and they're not these small fairy lights. They are really big, chunky colored lights, but maybe I should turn those on. Maybe I should plug them up. I wonder, I just think it might be a little bit of whimsy and I am spending pretty much all of my time out there. So 
it might be worth it. And if I had a coil of these fairy lights out there, I would totally have them on because they do have a way of, I don't know, they make you calm down. There's something about them. There really is. If you have lights in your space, turn them on. And if you have lights that you can get to that are not hung up at this point, it might be worth considering. I know the people next door to us actually did put all of their holiday lights back up. Maybe even more than they had up during the holidays. There are a bunch. As a way of somehow just livening things up, especially for the young people on the street. I'm not a young person on the street, but in my space, these lights, there's a little bit of magic in these lights. We are also still in our spaces, and yet we know that beyond our walls, things are in a tailspin, and there is such anxiety in that, in the disjunct between the sense of being okay in our spaces, and I hope that is true for you and your family, and yet knowing that the storm is happening out there, potentially just beyond our walls for some of us, it is very hard to grapple with. We are all doing the best we can. And, and I looked across from where I was sitting in the morning and on the mantle above the unused fireplace, there are paintings and they're all propped there. We don't have a lot of space. So there are several canvases propped they're layered. They're all different sizes and they're layered bits of them covering the canvases behind them. There's a beautiful Victorian corner house in the front with the light hitting it from one side, really pretty blue in the sky and a really warm yellow in that light. And some of you have this image as a postcard. It is a painting my son did. And In the moment, I was so struck by that empty street, that empty sidewalk. These are scenes we gravitate toward. And suddenly these are scenes that reflect and echo the quiet and stillness of today. And behind that one, a giant street scene the street between two rows of city buildings. And that canvas stretches almost to the ceiling. And behind that, a very small piece. One that he doesn't actually really like. He doesn't like doing people. But it is a little girl in an Easter dress and bonnet. In the grass and a car behind. Car on the side of the road. And there's something vintage about it, to the color, to the look of the clothes, to the slightly out-of-focus feel of it overall. I don't know for sure. I think it was maybe 1974, 1973. It is a photo that somehow has always been a memory for me. Although I never understood the context of the memory, I don't remember the moment. 
I don't exactly know what the story is or why I have this image in my head. And then some ironic way that things work, he was commissioned to paint that photo as a surprise for me a year or so ago. And then behind that, there's another piece. It's an experimental piece that looks very different than the others. But tonally, all of these things, they all go together. There's this layering and they're similar in color, colors that speak to one another. There's some kind of balance and this shifting feel as I, and the shifting feel as you look at all four of these together, the subdued palette and this quiet and this sense of loneliness and isolation, but also the light. There's light coming in. I walked you through a mindfulness exercise last time, a simple one, a short one. And I loved seeing a few people show examples of having done that, a contour drawing filled in or surrounded by mark making, the rhythmic, repetitive making of marks. And I know without a doubt that that is what is driving me in this moment the rhythmic, repetitive making of marks. I am grasping at things that help me catch my breath, help me latch on to some kind of calm that makes it possible to breathe. When I stop and try and figure out all the things I could do, I lose that calm. There is too much. There are too many choices. And right now that isn't helpful. It's not usually helpful, but it's especially not helpful right now. I know lots of people are trying new things, they're ordering new things, there is some kind of comfort in that. I completely know and understand the itch to order something feels like some kind of just reaction to this stillness to the sense of being stuck in one place, the desire to order something. And I have the itch, so I understand it. I won't be ordering anything, and I haven't, but I do understand it. But even in my space, without anything new, I can so easily overwhelm myself with options. And I have seen that happen. Saw it happen again, standing and looking in that cabinet. Too many options. I could even just instead finish things. I could finish this cowl and then that cowl. I could finish that piece of stitching so that I could eventually mail it when that's possible again. I could finish the applique on that quilt top so that I could call it done. I could do all those things, but even when I make a list of things to finish, then that becomes overwhelming. There are plenty of things on my 50 list that I could still do that just involve paper and pen. But overall, it's just too much right now. There's too many choices. There's too much sense of stillness. And somehow all those options don't help. They don't help. What is easy has the best chance of being done. And what is easy at night is to open my book look at the day's draw with me pics that have been posted in the group. And if I didn't have those or when those end, 
then I would or will probably just be looking at Sketchy to find something to draw, picking a muse, and then drawing. And then adding marginalia, adding some notes, recording things on the sides. I am doing that. That is not enough to make me feel like I'm processing in some way that is enough for me, but I am doing that. And of course, recording my number, and that is easy. There's that separate narrative in my head about adding color or trying this or trying that or getting out paint, about taking a leap. And I'm trying to just keep myself eyes forward and do what I know will bring me calm. Draw, ink, make some notes, fill some space, and repeat. And I hope all of you are finding something you can do that brings you that kind of calm. For me, TV helps with that. It doesn't for everybody. But if not TV, a book on tape, that works for me too. Or a playlist of guitar music or adagios. I keep TED Talks on in the background anymore while I work. Something running that I halfway listen to now and again as I'm working on certain kinds of projects other kinds of projects that turn everything off. When I write, I have to turn everything off. I didn't used to have that issue, but I do now. But when I draw, I have the TV on usually. Or if I'm just inking something, especially if it's in the morning on a weekend, for example, I usually listen to a book on tape. And I hope you are finding and figuring out what works for you, what it is that you find relaxing and soothing and mindful, what it is that helps you breathe so that you are not walking around your space feeling like you're hyperventilating or feeling like you're going to cry, breathing too much or breathing not enough. Either way, I hope you are finding ways to calm yourself and to keep yourself balanced, to keep yourself breathing nice and easy and steady not necessarily easy to find those solutions and those answers and those keys, but we have to. We have to now in the middle of a crisis, and we need those always as a healthy self-care part of our lives. So what should you draw today? This morning when I decided to fill in, I needed to I needed to erase some sketch lines and I wanted to make some notes and some space around a portrait and I got all the way done and for some reason I did this little rainbow. Very simple. It's almost like making a U, like a block letter U and then just echoing the lines. And then I did it again and again and again because I realized, wow, there's something about doing that that is mindful right now. So I think it is partly about the rainbow and the whimsy, but it's also about echoing of line. And you can do that with any shape. So in your sketchbook or in your journal, you can do this multiple times. You can do this always as part of your journal writing or your note taking. You can always end your day with a small square like this, or you can have these run in a column, or you can repeat them, or you can do them just haphazardly. 
And you don't have to do them in a square, but I'm going to have you do it in a square. Squares give you a bounding box and it helps with some guidelines when working through something out loud like this. So draw a small square and this one should be relatively small, maybe an inch, maybe an inch and a half. And inside that square, just draw a simple shape. So it might be something like a heart. It could be something like a star. It could just be a triangle. It can be a circle. I do this with circles often and a lot, both spirals and circles, but you could do any shape. So just draw a shape in the middle of that box. It doesn't have to be perfectly centered. The box does not have to be perfectly straight. None of these things matter. It can be bigger than I said. It can be smaller. These things do not matter. Just draw a box and draw a shape inside of it. And then let yourself just echo that line and draw that shape again outside it and just keep ringing it concentric, concentric circles or hearts that go around your heart. Just one after another, after another. Just echo the line, just follow it all the way around. And when you get to the box, the edges of the box, stop at your edges and just pick up where you can and just keep going until you have filled the space. A, it will look cool. B, it is mindful. If you let it be, it is very mindful. It can be very mindful to do that again and again and again. You can do it without the box and you will have a more fluid feel as you just keep going around and your lines get bigger, your shape gets bigger. It's a great way to fill in space. It's a good way to just watch lines appear on a page. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. That is it for episode 386. I appreciate you tuning in. I know that you have so many options in these days of what to do and who to listen to and who to follow and who to join in with. And everyone is doing the best they can. I know people are all scrambling to find new ways and new systems and new spaces. I appreciate you listening to the show if you did. And if you just heard that, then you did. I appreciate that you are here. I appreciate those of you, again, who did reach out to me and let me know in some way that you did hear last week's show and that it matters to you for some reason. That means a great deal to me. And I just want to say thank you because I think right now saying thank you is also very important. So thank you. As always, I'm Amy and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. Thank you to those of you who support the CMP at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativitymatters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone. Stay healthy. 
Stay well, stay balanced, stay inside if you can. You're doing the best you can. You have to tell yourself that and you have to know that and you have to believe that. You're doing the best you can. Reach out if you need to. Connect with others when you can. And draw something mindful. You'll be glad you did. <laughs>